And the pay-to-play podcast is now on the clock. It's James Edgkowski and Frank Guybe here with episode 55 of the pay-to-play podcast. We're doing a little NFL draft preview for you this week. I, You know, enough with my piano intros, Frank. I, I've been playing those a, a little different song each week, but we needed the little chime in there. Uh, it's a little taste of sports in this time that we really haven't had them in a little bit of in a little while. So uh, we'll run through some of the sports headlines with you. Obviously Gronkowski going to the Buccaneers and a trade from the Patriots. That's big news. Uh, we'll run through some NFL draft props that we like. Got a special guest, uh, an NFL draft hopeful, Rex Unohara will join us. Uh, and then definitely some action in the markets, uh, especially oils, all the talk these days. Oil. Uh, People with- are paying to get rid of oil. Yep. If you got a place you can store it, go ahead, snatch it up. They'll pay you to take it. Uh, so that's, <laughs> That's the big news there. Um, but now we'll take a quick pause for our ad read. All right. Uh, thank you, Anchor, for sponsoring our, our lovely podcast. We're still on the clock, though. So, James, let's run through some sports headlines. Um, first up, Rob Gronkowski broke today. Uh, a bit, I mean, it really broke yesterday like that he wanted to come back and play for the Buccaneers. And now the Patriots have traded him to the Buccaneers for a fourth-round pick pretty much. Um, he's going to be back with Tom Brady. The, the boys are back together in Tampa. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if he, you know, will be that much of an impact player, but he's definitely, I think, a step up from OJ Howard. I'd agree with that. I mean, Cameron Bright's pretty good as is. It, it's going to be a tight end heavy. Um, they just, guess, a lot of weapons offense. on the outside there for that team. Um, no. It'll be interesting. I mean, Gronk probably definitely got a lot healthier uh, with having a year off. He's always been battling injuries. So I, it'll be good for him to get back out there, though, uh, playing with his buddy Tom. Um, I just – I mean, did, did he think he had a thing against Belichick as well? What's the deal here? Hard to say. Um, really really is hard to say. I, I, I don't even know. What's your gut? I, What's your gut? My gut is I don't care. I think it's overblown. I think it's PR hype. And I, you know, he's a WWE fighter as far as I know. Yeah, he won a the belt. The Patriots just – the Patriots just fleeced a fourth-round pick for him. That's what I gathered from it. All right, I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, he was retired, so the Patriots just getting a pick for him, I guess, is better than better than having him be retired. I guess um, the fun fact is that uh, he's he's a guy he's a jokester himself, and this all occurred, you know, four twenty. All right, so we didn't have a formal fun fact for you today, but it's just the timing of things is ironic. Okay, that's the the irony is your fun fact. All right, there we go. Um, what else was on this week in sports uh, was Michael Jordan and the, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the documentary, The Last Dance, premiered on Sunday night on ESPN, uh, first two episodes. It was pretty good. It was really cool insight into a little bit more about Jordan's career for, for us folks who were kind of just born at, uh, in, in those last couple seasons in Chicago. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was cool. I, I, you know, I, I'm still not convinced that Jordan was the GOAT by looking at it. I, I thought uh, – you know, the NBA was a little scrawnier back then, not as athletic. I mean, Michael obviously was a freak. He could float. It was, I mean, it was impressive. But there was a lot of ticky-tack fouls called for him, too. I didn't, I didn't see the toughness. Um, I, I bet we'll see it a little bit more in some of the, the upcoming episodes. But overall, I think it's a cool, cool documentary. I, I agree with that. And so that's one, one thing. If you, if you want to hear the LeBron-MJ debate, you're not coming to the Pay-to-Play podcast for that. You could turn on any of the local sports channels yeah. and hear that. Um, I did. I did also disagree with that Bill Walton foul that fouled him out. I, that's the one that stuck out to me from that episode. Terrible foul call. Uh, seriously, then Bill was upset. You could see it in his face. Uh, and uh, no, it, it has been good content, but that's one debate I'm never going to enter into. 
because no, I didn't watch it happen on it's a. An, it's an basis. endless debate. It's an endless. Yeah, debate. it's oh, it, it just, depends on when you were born. To yeah, this way you're in. it's one of yeah. those biases. So yep. enough talk about that, but that'll be a nice little Sunday night thing to look forward to the next couple of weeks. Uh, the NFL draft is uh, a Thursday through Saturday affair this week to look forward to um, a virtual draft experience at that. Uh, they're, they're not going to have anyone together and there's going to be no war rooms. That's honestly one of my favorite things to look at is the war room celebration. When they make a pick this year, you're not going to have that. Uh, the, the Detroit Lions said they're going to have their chief technology officer in an RV in the driveway outside the GM's house, just to make sure everything goes smoothly. Like that's going to be his job (laughs) back over to his house. Unbelievable stuff there. Uh, That's funny. Uh, I'm looking forward to, I want something to go wrong. He's literally going to camp in an RV for three days. (laughs) They said he's going, they said he's going home at night. He's not staying uh, overnight. (laughs) Okay. That's good. I guess. Um, But yeah, hours of the night. They actually did a practice run on Monday this week, uh, you know, practice virtual draft with coaches and GMs and such, uh, just to get used to, you know, the feel of how to submit picks, how to submit trades as it's all being done virtually. Um, and things started out actually pretty slow. There was, a, I guess, a hiccup with the first overall pick. Um, it took like over 20 minutes, I guess, to submit the pick. Uh, but things smoothed out. But I just wanted to, to note, uh, basically, the way they did it was they, they had – it was scripted by the NFL of what, who was making trades with who. Every team had to make a trade at some point. And uh, they were drafting players that are projected to go maybe in later rounds in the draft now. But the number one overall pick, James, was Washington Husky offensive lineman Trey Adams to the Cowboys, who traded, to, traded with the Bengals. Um, so O-lineman going number one there. And if you guys don't know who Trey Adams is, he's the guy who came, became famous at the NFL Combine when a reporter asked him, if you could change anything about yourself, what would it be? He thought for a quick second, and he looked at, he looked at the guy and he said, a bigger dick. <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. I think I missed uh, – should have added that out. Jeez, oh, man. That is uh, graphic. No, it, it, and... it, there's video of it, him saying it. So, I actually uh, didn't even see that originally, but good for him. That's you, you think the NFL wouldn't have made him the number one pick in the in the fake virtual mock draft? But maybe that's the direction they're headed. Maybe yeah, that's the direction I don't know. Headed. I don't know. I wouldn't hate seeing the Browns get him. Maybe late late in the draft. He's a, he's like six eight three seventy. He's a monster. I did see something yeah. that Bud Light is still that. enabling you to boo Goodell. Um, they have like some sort of fundraiser. If you that's great. Like you're not going to hear it on the broadcast itself, but like if you do it via Twitter, you can state your claim that you are booing him. So. Uh, that that will live on in some respect. Um, What's, what storylines we got going on? I mean, yeah, I was it, gonna say, you know, the one two is all but set in stone. You hear all these rumors about, oh, you know, someone might trade up to two for a quarterback. I don't buy that for a second. I don't think the Chargers are in love with Tua enough to go to two. I think they expect him to drop to six, and I, I think that's a risk that they are willing to take. And uh, Herbert, apparently, the Dolphins are like, and I. I don't know what to make of that, but if you know if they do, that they could trade up for one of those picks. But I think even Matt Miller, the Bleacher Report guy, said picks three through six will determine the direction of this draft. Because you know if you let a guy like Okuda or uh, um, you know one of those top linemen fall down, Isaiah Simmons being another, um, you're going to have teams gobble them up, and that's when you might see the trade action start to evolve. Yeah. So the over under for trade set at four and a half for the round one. Um, I think it could be even more. I, I kind of like the over on that. I'm not probably not going to place any money there, but we'll see. I, we'll see what ramps up in the next coming days. Yeah, I mean, I, I would maybe take the under just because the virtual thing. I mean, I guess they, they did the walkthrough. They all know how a trade works, but I think that could just sway them uh, time-wise, I'm guessing. 
They uh, did say they'd pause it if if someone's trying to make a trade. Uh, they'll, they pa- would, they'll just pause the clock. They'll make an allotment. Yeah. Okay. So I think, but then, okay. then again, I think there is just that general nerve. I was going to say, though, with that in mind, that trade question, we are running a promo, if you guys have not seen on our social media, uh, the NFL uh, mock draft challenge, basically, by pay to play. Uh, you, you pick your guys one through 15, who you think's going, 10 buck entry. Uh, you got a chance to win some money. And the tiebreaker question is how many trades you think there will be. So the over under is four and a half. So. Yeah, well stated, Frank. How many participants do we have signed up so uh, far? Just a few, just a few. We're gonna we're gonna be advertising heavy here. We'll try to get ten to twenty or something in the next uh, couple of days. Get get a Good decent stuff. get a decent pot going for the winner. Um, but right. yeah, let's let's talk about. Um, well, props. they also belated a belated fun fact first. This actually would have tied in nicely with the Michael Jordan comment. Yeah, it does. Uh, Jordan Love quarterback that eh, he's a fringe first rounder. I think the over under on his selection is nineteen and a half. Uh, yeah. Depending on where you, where you look, but he's a guy whose stock's kind of risen after you know it was a uh, I don't want to say so so college career because I think it was a little bit better than that. But he's got the tools that might project him to the next level, um, and so he's the when I say you know not a so so college career, he's Utah State's all time leader in career offense. Um, was originally supposed to be named Michael Jordan Love. Uh, his father wanted to tribute it to uh, the Bulls superstar. Uh, but his mother, Anna, stepped in and said, you know what? No, it's Jordan Alexander, not uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan. So uh, about, I'm, like a, I'm a big fan of Jordan Love. Um, I, I bet he does go first round. Um, I, I think I want, to, I want I would love to see the Patriots take him. Um, I'm not nice sure. little project. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's big, tall, athletic, and he's got huge hands. Um, that's, it's, he's the prototype quarterback. Uh, but he, Can't he, say the same about Burrow. Can't say the same about Burrow, but uh, he threw 60 touchdown passes his senior year um, and won a national title. So, so I think <laughs> I think he solidified number one, no doubt. What what props do we like though, James? Um, you know, this is kind of the big betting thing now is the NFL draft props because uh, there there hasn't been much else to bet on besides table tennis for me. You you know you say it's the big betting thing. I don't even know like if people are going to be out there making bets. A lot of the casinos are still closed, but there's definitely mobile sites and whatnot that you're able to. A um, couple guys specifically, I'm looking at. Um, on their positions. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda, I yep. am a believer that he goes at that number three or number four pick. Um, the odds aren't, you know, that's what's favored, but I'm pretty certain that the Lions, that they need defensive back help. And C.J. Henderson, he's good, don't get me wrong. He is a step below Okuda, though, like in terms of yeah. what he can do as a defensive back. So I like under four and a half. Juice is probably somewhere between 130 and 150. I don't I don't care. I don't yeah, mind it. I got it at 130. I'm, I'm on that as well with you. Um I like also speaking of a player, Henry Ruggs, the the speedster from Alabama, the receiver. I like him under thirteen and a half, minus one forty. Um, I'm really thinking he's going to the Raiders at twelve. Uh, I think John Gruden wants his own Tyree Kill, and Henry Ruggs is exactly that type of player. He is lightning quick. All right, I, no, I, he is lightning quick. I I don't I don't hate where your head's at right there. I'm thinking just on the fly right now. I'll probably make a PowerPoint slide with these, and uh, we'll advertise it out. We'll. We'll track ourselves. There we go. See how we do. I'll probably go better than I did in my WNBA mock draft uh, last week. Uh, three for twelve for me. For those that were following along, probably not many of you out there. <laughs> but uh, three for yeah, fifth, three for fifteen, really. Or no, three for twelve. You're right. Never mind. Three for twelve. Jeez, oh man, <laughs> take it easy on me. Uh, but no, it's worth stating that the WNBA got through their virtual draft just fine. So any NFL GM that's you know whining and complaining, you know, take a note out of their book. All right. Look at that. Again, it's a smaller draft, 12 teams as opposed to or as opposed to 30. But yeah. at the same time, 
32. Oh, man. My head is – my head's in a whirlwind. All right, Frank, another prop I like, Andrew Thomas, under 10.5. I think we are going to see three linemen in the top 10. I'm going to go out there and say it. I think Worfs, Wills, and Thomas go top 10. I think Beckton's the one that falls out. Where are they uh, going? I mean, I see the Giants could use one. Maybe Arizona, Cleveland. Is that is that the three? I think that's where my three are at. The Panthers could, but I I think Simmons go. That you'll see what my official mock drafts looks like. But I think there's you know out of those teams, that the Cardinals could use one. Panthers, one of those two will take one. Is my thought. Um, and then the Browns. So I do think that Thomas is one of those three. In Becton, you got the. Uh, the weed issues again. I don't. I don't think that's a big issue these days. I think they were adjusting adjusting the uh, collective bargaining agreement for that. That okay, te- teams and players won't be penalized like that. But yeah. speaks to my speaking character of, of speaking uh, of four twenty. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, just looking at his overall intelligence, couldn't beat the system. You're too dumb to get by the system. I, that's not a guy I want on my team. I want a smart guy. All I right. don't think I don't think teams are going to like that. Well, I'm just also basing it on precedent. Um, who was the guy at Ole Miss? Uh, Laramie Tunsil. Tunsil is the guy that I uh, got caught with the gas mask. Isn't he pretty good in the NFL? Oh, he is, but <laughs> did he fall in the draft? Yes. Yeah. yeah yes, that's true. Did. You're just thinking betting-wise. I like that. Um, I like that there will be under five-and-a-half receivers taken in the first round. A um, lot of talent at the receiver position, um, not just one through five, but like six through ten as well. And um, So I think teams aren't going to be as antsy to pick a receiver – I think they'll be happy. To, there'll be plenty of good players there uh, in the second round. Um, so that's that's a that's a plus money bet under five and a half. But uh, it's something I'm going with as well. All right, I like that, and I think I'll, let's round it out with one more piece if you have them. Um, I Justin Jefferson is a guy that I like at LSU, and it's it's on the same note as your receiver page. I think we're going to see like in those teens. I think we're going to probably see two or three receivers fly off the board, Ruggs being one of them. I don't know if Jefferson goes in the teens there. I think he might He might be just after that. The Eagles pick a 21. They're kind of in a need for it. Um, so 20-and-a-half, 21-and-a-half over in that neck of the woods. I think he's going to be just a little bit later than that. Still obviously a first-round talent. He was Burroughs' kind of go-to guy, um, great route runner and everything. It's just a talented class and yeah. to, to that extent. I think he could slip a little bit. It's like someone's got to fall. That's, you know, it's yeah. the law of averages. Yep, pretty much. Um, my last one will be, I, lo- I took this New England Patriots to take an offensive player with their first pick in the draft, plus 130. Um, I just, you know, they had a loaded defense and they didn't lose too much on the defensive side and they have lost a lot on the offensive side. I think they, they either go get a quarterback or they go get maybe a, a, one of those receivers. Um, and I just like that it's plus money. So I, I thought – um, Bill, Bill's going to maybe go get a, go get an athlete on offense, not defense this time. All right. I like that thought. Um, Frank, how about, let's talk a little bit about the Browns. All right. You and I both Browns fans, we don't hide it. Um, at, if we stay at 10, you want Simmons if he falls. Yeah. And I just don't think he falls to 10. I think the general consensus is he's a top seven pick at worst. Um, I've saw, I've seen him slip as low as eight. I, I think there was one mock. I saw him at 10. But I just There's a lot of guys, though, that are like, you know, you say they're top 10 locks. And as everyone's been saying, the mock drafts have been pretty off. So we don't know. Um, Simmons is a kind of a hybrid linebacker safety. doesn't have a true position probably. But I think the Browns could use his speed uh, at an outside linebacker uh, type position, basically. That's one of our weak points as well. So if he did fall to 10, I would love it. I know we need an O-line. 
Um, so maybe we could trade up later in the, the first round, uh, get an alignment. But uh, if he doesn't fall, you know, Andrew Thomas, as we said, is a great pick. Becton wouldn't be bad. Um, um, yeah, so I, those are kind of my, my first round, guys. If, if we get an alignment, I'd love to see if we can get Grant Delpit in the second round, the LSU safety. Uh, really big playmaker, good good guy there. Um, could could be like a Tyron Matthew, not to just completely follow the LSU DB train, uh, but he was a guy that slipped to the third round and has made a pretty I mean, good career for himself. There's, They're different types of players. Yeah. Obviously, Delpit is a huge hitter. and Yeah, I mean, uh, we need safety, linebacker, and offensive line. That's kind of our, our three probably main position needs, I'd say. Um, and so, you know, you, you want to make at least two of those first picks probably in those three positions. Um I don't know. I got a couple guys in the middle rounds I'd like to see. I'd like to see us get a couple guys from Michigan State, maybe linebacker Joey Bocci, um, who had to actually sit out his last five games due to a steroid suspension uh, his senior year. Um, He said it was just in the pre-workout that he was taking, though. He he said he's taken it before and has passed many drug tests taking that. So he said, you know, you never know what they put in that stuff over the counter. I believe him. I believe him. Uh, Yeah, he can flat out play. Bree Midpark guy. Um, I'd, I'd love to get our, our guy, David Dowell, um, former teammate of mine at St. Ed's, uh, Michigan state captain as well. Uh, cornerback, he he's, you know, long and athletic. He can, he can really help add depth at the, uh, cornerback position. Maybe Ohio state wide receiver KJ Hill. Maybe we find him somewhere in the middle rounds. Uh, I don't know how far he'll drop, but he is really quick off the line. I know we don't need receivers, but I just love to see a Buckeye, uh, join the Browns. All he did was produce. That's all you can say. All, did all he did was, and then uh, Malik Harrison's another guy, linebacker that would fit a need if if things yeah, worked out. Definitely. And then you know, guy. with our final pick, pick number two forty four out of two fifty five in the twenty twenty draft, the twenty twenty virtual draft. I'd love to get another Cleveland native. This guy, West Virginia product, the long snapper Rex Sunahara. And without further ado, guys, we are going to go into an interview here with Rex, uh, draft hopeful. There's been a there's been a line before we get into the interview. There's been a long snapper taken the past five years in the NFL draft. Just one. He he's up there in the top three rankings across the board across all these long snapper rankings. I don't know how accurate they really are, but he's not he's got his stuff. He he's he's tall. He's long. He's not afraid to make a tackle. Uh, he's got a good snap, good speed. Um, James, anything else you like about him before we go into the no, interview? No, I mean that was that was enough compliments. Let's start talking to him. And now we're joined by the pride of Bay Village, uh, NFL draft hopeful, uh, West Virginia Mountaineer Rex Sunahara. Uh, Rex, a pleasure to have you on the Pay to Play podcast. James, it is always a pleasure to be with you, my friend. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We're doing well here. We're doing well. Uh, you know, it's been a little while. You know, we played uh, a little bit of high school baseball back in the day. You being a, you know, multi-sport athlete, you found your way down an interesting path. That, you know, just wanted to catch up with you a little bit, see how things are going. Um, and so that, that's my first off question. How are, how are you dealing with uh, everything that's going on right now? Are you still, um, still getting your training in? I know obviously with draft prep here, um, long snapping, I saw you in the driveway. Uh, what, wh- what was that all about? There was like a baseball bat and like a softball on top. <laughs> Come on, take me through yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, you know, first of all, train like it's been good training, you know, this whole entire COVID-19 thing happening and, you know, I had to come home from West Virginia and, you know, now instead of working out and, you know, a really nice facility we had down there, you know, we're working out in our friend's, uh, our friend's garage. So, you know, it's a little bit of a difference, 
but it's been good. You know, it's it's been fun. I'm working out with my brother and doing all that stuff, and it, it's been good. Uh, that thing with the baseball tee was – so that's just for, you know, control and making sure that you use your – you know, you're finishing your snap and you're being controlled with your hands and everything like that. It's a good drill, and it's something that, you know, I struggle with a lot you know, just that drill and being like real detailed oriented and focused on, you know, every aspect of my snap. So that drill, you know, really, really makes you be focused on that stuff. So it's, it's, it was good. There we go. I was going to say James, uh, James sometimes struggles with hand control himself. Um, but, but Rex, yeah. How about, Easy. how about you take us, how about you take us through <laughs> your collegiate athletic journey? You started out uh, at Rhode Island uh, playing basketball and I think on the football team as well, but then you transferred to West Virginia uh, to become a, a full-time long snapper there. And now you're a hopeful NFL draft prospect, uh, hoping to at least sign with the team if, if you don't get picked, but just take us through that college right. journey. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, an interesting start to it. It was one of those things where I was prepared to go and just kind of, I was going to go and play basketball at Capital University, you know, D3 school in Columbus. It was just like, okay, you know what? That'll be cool. I'll go down there. I'll play basketball. I'll be close to Ohio State. It'll be great. But then, you know, at the last, the last hour, I got a call from uh, the coach at Rhode Island and they're like, hey, we want you to come up and for a visit where I was like, okay, like I never, I didn't know what it was or, you know, I didn't really know anything about Rhode Island other than uh, Lamar Odom went there. But so I, I go up and I'm walking around with, with the football coaches and the basketball coach who at the time was uh, coach Carr. It wasn't coach Hurley, the head coach it was one of the assistants. He stops me and he goes, Hey, so, you know, I looked at your tape and everything. And if you want to come and you want to play both sports here, we'd love to have you. You can be a walk-on and you can play football. And whenever football season is over, we, you can come right in and play basketball. And so I was, I was sold. I was, you know, okay, that'll be great. I can continue to play two sports. I can continue to keep doing what I was doing and it was going to be no change. And it was good. And it, you know, for the first, for the first part, it was, it was okay. And then I get to, I get to Rhode Island and, you know, the team wasn't very good. And it was, it was hard to kind of level with that being, you know, as you guys both know, Bay Village isn't known for football. It's not like <laughs> you two powerhouses get to go to Ed's and Ignatius, but we did our best our senior year and, you know, we ended up doing well. So it was hard going from winning and tasting, you know, tasting that. And then it, you go back and you're getting, you know, your head kicked in by 40 at Syracuse and you have negative four yards on the entire day. That's tough. One of those things where it's like, yeah, it's tough. It was tough thing to handle, but that was that, but football season was, was tough. And then I went home for Thanksgiving and I was like, man, I just, I might just want to just transfer now. And then my mom was like, no, you got to go back. You got to go back to school. So I went back and luckily I, I had thought the basketball team had just forgotten about me. But luckily, I went back, and first thing I got when I got back to campus was a phone call from Coach Carr. He's like, "Yeah, we need you, need you at basketball practice tomorrow." So I went there and did, you know, then was playing basketball for the rest of the season, and it was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, and it was it was awesome getting to play in some of the some of the great venues. You know, getting to play at at Dayton at VCU, 
it was I mean it was awesome. Nebraska in the big in the A ten tournament at the Barclays Center, it was great. So that was really fun. And then when after that year I came home and was kind of thinking about what the next step was gonna be, you know, was it gonna go back, was it gonna transfer and then I mean, just kind of came to the realization that I can you know, I wanted to continue to play football, but being where I was, it wasn't going to be, you know, the place for me. So I made a phone call to my dad, who was the volleyball coach down there, told him about what was happening. And he, you know, he'd obviously known my displeasures with what was happening up there to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, I talked to him and he was like, well, I can get you get you a phone call with one of the recruiting coordinators and then, you know, you can send them there, send him your film and you can see what happens. So I said, okay. And luckily I called yep. him. He said, okay, you can come and try out. I had to go to the walk-on tryout of my first day at West Virginia. I'd wake up at five fifteen and go to the practice facility. And it was a walk-on tryout with everyone else who thought they were going to, you know, try and just trying to make the team or whatever. And luckily I did well enough to where I, I made the team and, you know, I sat behind uh, Nick Meadows for two years, who was a really another really, really good long snapper that was there. And then after that, I, I won the starting job my redshirt junior year going into the season, got put on scholarship and it was uh, it's been smooth sailing. There we go. Yeah. It's been great. And that's, a, that's a hell of a journey bouncing around like that. And mm-hmm. like you said, you get the opportunity to uh, talk to the, the recruiting coaches there at West Virginia and you, make the most of it as it sounds like yeah it was great you know uh just being down there and getting to learn for the first two years sitting out the one year because of the transfer rules and then sitting out behind nick meadows for his senior year uh it was really great to learn from him he he was you know not the biggest guy or anything but he worked he worked his butt off and he ended up getting a tryout with the colts didn't make it but it was still an amazing accomplishment for someone like that to get there and he taught me a lot of things about just the ins and outs of college football how to work out in the weight room how to you know be really detailed in all of my movements and stuff and you know I can't think I can't thank him enough but it's been it's been great it's it was a lot of fun playing there I have a lot of really really great memories and and I'm, I'm just excited for what comes next that, no, that's a great, great to have a role model like that that'll mm-hmm. kind of show you how to do things, and then uh, and basically kind of take you to the next to the next level that you needed to get in your training to give yourself a shot to do the same thing. And right. uh, in your case, you want to uh, become the tallest long snapper in the NFL one uh, when, when this draft's all <laughs> said and done. Cool. Yeah, it would right. be quite a quite a little feat to have. Um, <laughs> so, just want to talk a little bit more about your time in Morgantown. Right. Um, here, I've heard some great things of as a college town, mm-hmm. uh, West Virginia University, uh, renowned for the uh, school spirit on campus, and <laughs> especially around football games. So, yeah, uh, can you speak towards that a little bit? Oh, it's great. I love. I mean, Morgantown is a is a land of milk and honey, as one <laughs> would say. It's, you can find <laughs> anything that you want in Morgantown. You can find it. I mean, it's that's one of those places where any any given night there's something going on. There's something to do. You know, we don't really get the the opportunity to partake in all that stuff because we have class and we have practice in early mornings and stuff like that. But it is a lot of fun. It is a great time. To, it is a great place to be there. It's a great place to just have. It's, it's just a great place to be. They love 
they love Mountaineer football. People from West Virginia are, you know, so hardworking and so dedicated to WVU that they spend, they don't make a lot of money and the money they do make, they spend it filling up the car, driving to Morgantown, buying the party favors and then watching out here <laughs> football. That's just what, Love that's <laughs> what they live for. And it's, it's an amazing thing to watch that. And then, and you feed off of that energy. You feed off of the fact that you know that you have 1.8 million people that are fighting for you and that love to watch you play and the product that you guys put out. And that gives our team a lot of pride. And it's just – it's a great place to play. It's a great atmosphere. The tailgates are wild. You know, we walk through the tailgates on our uh, Mountaineer man trip uh, for before every game, and it's crazy. People are lined up 10 rows deep <laughs> just – waiting to give your give you a high five tell you to go kick some ass something like that it's it is a it is a lot we'll have to get back to a tailgate with you sometime um oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) all right i was gonna ask though so in your senior year recently actually you got to uh play in a couple senior bowl games uh the nflpa collegiate bowl and then also the hula bowl down in hawaii how cool were those how cool was hawaii uh just being with other seniors guys that are draft hopefuls was that was that a cool experience Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Just being able to go out to, you know, one of the great – well, one of the big the big three senior senior bowl games. That was cool. You know, Senior Bowl, East-West Shrine, and then the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. It was great. It was awesome to be out there. We had great coaches, great teammates. Uh, one of the – the kicker on my team was actually uh, the kicker for Oklahoma State, so I had known him. So it was, it was really, really fun to be out there and learn and – just understand kind of what the what the business of football was about and how just how everything worked because they had people come in to talk to us every night about you know financial responsibility about making sure that you keep the right people around you how to you know how to seek counsel if you need it and it was it was great it was great being at also one of the great venues in college football being in the Rose Bowl playing you know playing there as the sun went down and then you play under the lights of the Rose Bowl. It's, it was really, really Ooh. cool just to have that entire kind of ambiance was, was awesome. And then I played really well and, you know, hopefully that'll, that projects me into, into what comes next, but then going to the Hula Bowl, it was, that was great too. I stayed in, stayed in California for a day and then hopped right on the plane at LAX and went to, uh, went to uh, Honolulu. So that was great too. Uh, Cause my dad's actually from Hawaii. So my whole other side of the family who had never really seen me play football at all got to come and see me play. And my dad was taking me around to all the great local spots and stuff. And it's yeah, it was awesome. We got to, we got to hang out on Waikiki beach. We'd have practice in the morning and then basically from 12 to five o'clock. And then we had dinner. We just got to do whatever we want. So we'd walk right across the street from our hotel and, go lay out on the beach for five hours a day it was it was uh it was great it beats the snow here in cleveland <laughs> well that was a hard a hard-earned um invitation to those two bowls yeah um, it was great I was gonna say hold on i also need to call call out i don't think that we didn't didn't hear that party in the usa reference oh. hopping on the plane at lax yeah all right I was, good I just, know just need to make happening. sure we, we know where we're citing our sources <laughs> um that's good um but what I was getting at there, yeah, really, it was a great – like you were saying, you learned a lot from Nick Meadows before you, but then 
Now, your senior season, 69 punts, uh, only 16 of them returned, and you recorded nice. four of the tackles on those 16. So 69 punts, but 69 perfect snaps from you to make that happen. So just <laughs> need to make sure that's known by all our listeners as well. We're not pretty just talking nice to some of punts too, right? Yeah, pretty nice is what that's what <laughs> a lot of the scouts were saying. That's what I was reading all over these draft websites. Right. Uh, so I want to ask you a couple questions about long snapping in general because I don't mm-hmm. think that's something people really understand uh, the art of all that much. You know, you right. probably don't learn the long snapper's name unless they make a mistake, and there's something, I guess, there's something about that that, uh, that probably has an inherent pressure. Um, so kind of want to just get your views on. You know, what's the difference between a good and a great long snapper? Uh, what's the difference? And we can kind of break this up, make it conversational, mm-hmm. um, you know, between kicking and punting. Uh, what Any differences from your standpoint? So it's, it's, it's I guess not weird, but it's, it's just for long snaps, like actual punt snaps, it's, it depends on who you ask. Some people think that that's the easy, that's the, the easier one because it's, you're not, you don't have to be so pinpoint accurate with it. I, I try to be, and I, I know a lot of the great ones are, but that one you kind of just – you look back there, you grip it and rip it, and, you know, you have a bigger bigger zone to hit that's, you know, to make it a good snap. Those field goals, those ones are – you have to be so pinpoint accurate. You have to be, you know, right on the hand. The laces have to be right. And that's, that's where a lot of these guys, they'll – you know, I was the same way up until probably last year. I would try to guide that ball. I mean, you know, James, being a PO like I was, we we you're trying to guide the ball, you're you're just gonna get shelled the entire time. So that yeah, the PO it. that you were, you threw a no hitter the one summer we played together. <laughs> yeah, with I think we I think I still walked like ten guys though. So like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, believe me, I'm not complimenting you too much. Yeah, it was not, won, it was no won, perfect won, game, but it was it was not the best showing. Probably the worst no hitter ever. But it was uh, it but yeah, like I said, it was. It's a definite art form, and you just have to yes. be really able to be coachable during it because if you, you're you not just going to pick it up and be really good at it. I was, you know, I had I went an entire, pretty much an entire lifetime without being taught the right way. I had Nick teach me when I got to Rhode Island, or when I got to West Virginia. Before that, I had no formal training. And then this last year, luckily, I was able to uh, hook on with a, a guy – who runs a uh, special teams university, which is uh, someone who he teaches, his name is Kyle Stelter. He teaches long snapping. He, he teaches guys, the, uh, the long snapper for, uh, who is it? The, uh, the lions, the Broncos and the Colts, they all work with him too. So he's been teaching me a lot of stuff and that's where I really was able to understand the ins and outs of it. And he's, he was the one who gave me that drill that I was uh, snapping the, that the the small ball drills I was doing on my in my uh, driveway, and just that type of stuff is just the repetition, the being detail oriented, and trying to make it hard. So when you make it hard, and then you you know dial in on all those little things, everything kind of comes together a little bit more quickly. And then you know when you get to those games, and when you get to practice or wherever you're you're dialed in, you're ready to go, and you kind of just turn your brain off trust your mechanics and go yeah that, i mean that, that makes a lot of sense it seems like you're, you're figuring it out at the right time too. uh coming up on uh draft night here is thursday night you know you'll you'll be probably more on your edge on on saturday <laughs> on the third right, day right, there's right. been there's been a long snapper taken each of the past five years um right. but even if that doesn't work out you know there's obviously free agency 
um, right mm-hmm. after the draft. That's that's where a lot of long snappers might go. But I, I just want to know if, what teams have you been talking to at all? Is there any team or place that you'd like to join? Or well, it's uh, so you know the a bunch of teams like they a bunch of teams have called and they're you know we're trying to figure out between you know who wants to bring in a long snapper versus who needs to bring in a long snapper you know because there there's the, there's a difference there and there's a difference between a team that they don't have someone or they you know they only have one guy and maybe they need a little bit more like maybe they're looking to replace someone or get younger and cheaper or, or whatever because a lot of these teams I don't I don't think they like the long snapper I, I don't even know how much they get their their salary is but I don't I it's a uh, it's kind of uh just you know we'll whenever whoever calls or whoever decides to you know that they want to take a chance on me we'll we'll go and we'll give it our our absolute all there we go that's that that's no that's that's a good attitude to have and right and, and it is an interesting spot and that's such a niche position that yeah it is kind of based on you know supply and demand I hate to bring a business concept oh, into it but right. you know we are a finance podcast here <laughs> and uh you know we do a little bit of both and that that's i mean that's not only true in the business world but also in the sports world so right. and it's one of those um, things too where like when you get in you're in for you can play i mean i know the cowboys long snapper and i think the detroit lions long snapper too those guys have been in the league for almost 20 years it's i mean they those dudes play for a very long time and they're good at it. Yeah, that's cool. All right, mm-hmm. well let's let's look back a little bit. How about how okay. about you name your top three teammates from any point in your sporting career? I don't know if it's James and that summer baseball team. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I was much of an asset <laughs> then. But. Well, J- James and I spent a lot of time at the Sharapa Lake House. It was uh, that was <laughs> some times were had there. Oh, yeah, there were. But oh man, it was Shrops. Yeah, I, I haven't heard from Shrop in a while. <laughs> Kid's gone. We don't know where he is. Maybe this podcast will find him. Yeah, maybe he'll, maybe he'll maybe he'll respond to the podcast. But man, okay, so probably my fir- like when I my first college teammate that I really was like was one like he's still real one of my really good friends today. It was his name was Four McGlynn. He he was uh he was a transfer from Vermont or something like that, and it was his last year at Rhode Island, and he kind of. He kind of took me under his wing when I was there, and he we became friends. And you know, I we kind of just did all the stuff together. And he was always the one that invited me to things, and or just like, hey, I want to go get some shots up. Hey, let's go and work out or do something. He because he was, you know, he wasn't a he wasn't a very tall guy. He wasn't a very you know athletic guy, but he was, I mean, one of the best shooters I'd ever seen in my life. He he plays professionally over in Portugal now, and he just. He was one of the guys that just every single time that that he took everything so seriously, and he was he was detailed with his like what he did with to make sure his body was good and what how he was doing in his shooting and just he taught me how to be a college athlete pretty much. I wish I I wish I still kind of went through the the detail to make make my body look good. <laughs> I not not at that point oh, anymore. James. Frank maybe a little bit. He's down in Florida <laughs> trying to stay fit. There we go. Who's who's your other favorite teammate? Your brother? Well, I actually never played with RJ. RJ and I were three years apart, so he was on the freshman teams whenever whenever it was my last year. But he ended up being a uh, pretty good player himself. Still, is yet to beat me in anything. But 
he's uh, he's 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 getting there. Um, but I think you set some record. You set some records back in the day at Bay White, all time all time leading block. Yes, until until my younger brother had to come in and break both of those records. But <laughs> so that we don't have to talk about that. You can cut that part. Okay, sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to bring it up. No, it's fine. Um, but who else? My second. I mean, I had all of my friends from high school that were just you know made my senior year so special. Just about with football, you know. Being the being the team that went the farthest in Bay High history, being the first Bay team since the '90s, I believe, to go to the playoffs, you know, and then being the first team to win a playoff game. That group of guys who I'm still friends with, uh, you know, the Stephen Krausers, the Dan Hoax of the world, just you know, <laughs> my my guys that are just oh yeah, who have been my friends for you know forever and will continue to be my friends for the rest of my life. Just they're great. So I guess I'll clump those into one, and then. Second is probably, I mean, I've played with, and then it's probably just the another group of guys too. It's just the, the specialists that I've played with in, in college. You know, we're, we're off to the side a lot and we're doing our own thing. So where we, you know, we became so close as a unit to where we did everything. Yeah, you're, you, you know, got your inside we, jokes. Yeah, inside jokes. We all eat together at the same place. People, people like think we all travel in a pack because we kind of do, but it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, those guys are great, and you know, like like uh, my friends from high school, they'll be my friends for the rest of my life. And it's just, you know, so one of those things where it's we went through everything together, and we went experienced the ups and the downs, the off season trainings, all that stuff, to where we just we all went through the same stuff, and it's we understand each other, and we understand that how to make each other better, how to make each other, you know, we get under each other's skin really easily because we know everything. But it's I wouldn't trade it for the world. While we're winding down here, Rex, this is a question we've been asking to all of our guests here on Pay to Play, um, and it's: If you could be any athlete, you know, professional, present or past, who would you be and why? Whose lifestyle would you want to adopt? Who? So we actually, my brother and I were talking about this. You know, how cool it would be to be like 2001 Vince Carter <laughs> for like a day. I like that. I like that. 2000, 2000 Vince, like 2000s Vince Carter. Just being able to jump over literally anything. That would be pretty cool. That would be like, the <laughs> coolest thing ever. I like that. We were watching some of his highlights the other day, and it was it was stupid how high you could jump. You guys are uh, similar height, aren't you? Six, you're 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. What was he, 6'5"? Vince Carter? I yeah. think he was like 6'8". He's probably 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, okay. Oh. Yeah, when I said he was, I mean, he still is. He's still out there six, grinding. 6'6", six, they're saying on, on Wikipedia. Yeah, that dude could fly. All right, so yeah, about the same height. You guys would match up well in a one-on-one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, no. But that, but I think Vince Carter would be cool because I mean, after the after that dunk contest, he was he was like the. I mean, he was probably one of the most popular athletes in the world. Yeah, for a couple of years for there. That, for that, yeah, for that couple of years with Vince Sanity, I mean, that was crazy. What uh, what's your wingspan, Rex? <laughs> oh, they they measured it at the at the NFLPA game. I forget what it was, though. It was somewhere in the 80s. I know that. Okay. I think that sounds right. I don't – I really – I didn't know, know if you got the seven-foot – Vince Carter's 6'11 wingspan. I just didn't know if you, oh, you had him yeah, beat there. No, no. My brother has a – I think – does RJ have – I'm sitting here with my mom. Does, he, does RJ have the better, bigger wingspan? I don't know. But it's <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to figure that out. But, yeah. It's, my famous line is you can't teach wingspan. You can't teach it. You can't teach, teach that. No, you can't. <laughs> 
right, uh, Rex, I think, um, I think we're good on the questions, man. We wish you the best of luck uh, going forward, it, you know, this weekend. Uh, whatever happens this weekend, regardless, just in the next few years of your career, hopefully you get on a team and, and you're snapping and making tackles in the NFL. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And Frank, it was a lot of fun to be joined by Rex himself there. Um, again, the NFL draft, something a lot of guys have their sights on from the beginning. And Rex was a guy that bounced around through multiple sports. And he finds himself in a spot now where, you know, if it works out, great for him. If not, he's had a heck of a ride to get here. And we know we're pulling for him here on the side of pay to play. Uh, enough draft talk, Frank. Let's talk markets. Uh, at the top of the show, we headline yeah. said there's a lot going on with oil. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but this was a quote here in an article I read. We're only down about 15% from the all-time highs we had on February 19th. It seems to me that the world is more than 15% screwed up. Howard Marks. Uh, if you don't know who Howard Marks is, he's a guy that's made a little bit of money in the stock market <laughs> over the years. I, I don't His net worth not coming to me off the top of my head. I think it's over $2 billion. Hey, he's, a, so he's, a, he's a wealthy man. He's a very successful investor. One of, one of, the, one of the tops, one of the greats. Uh, so, yeah. Let's just put it this way, that the markets are not necessarily reflecting the economy. There's a disconnect between the two. Uh, and as he also stated in that article, uh, from the 2000 highs of the tech bubble, um, once that fell out, uh, it took seven years to get back there. In 2007, we finally got there. And then after 2007, you know, we go through the financial crisis, 08, 09, um, took five and a half years to get back to that level of 2007. Uh, so it was late 2012 we were back there. So is it really appropriate that given all the bad news in the world today, uh, we should get back to the highs in only three months? That seems a little, a little fishy, Frank, just a little suspicious. Yeah. Um, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I kind of brought, I think we brought it up last week is that it's going to be, I think it's going to be a bumpy ride, not just this year, but next year as well, probably um, with, you know, just adjusting to kind of this new world we're living in where people are, socially distanced uh, most of the time uh you know the economy is going to be switching more to remote work um so it's it's just yeah it's it's definitely not baked into the the stock market numbers right now i think we i think we are at a point where you don't want to be aggressively buying um you know all these new nfl guys are going to be getting some big signing bonuses you might not want to just throw it all in the all in the stock market right away um you might want to be patient with your investing um and that's i'm telling you frank it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts contracts uh, not only in the NFL, but amongst other sports too, um, you know, with contract situations. So everyone thinks, oh, it's going to be a V-shaped recovery. Uh, not everyone thinks it, but I've heard V-shaped recovery left and right. I, I don't think you can assume that. Like you said, you're going to see the changing of the workforce, and there's going to be a hesitancy to go right back to normal. I, people are itching for it. I get that. But that, yeah. that does not represent the whole population. I mean, yeah, the, we're, we're going to be in a recession here. Like we're in a recession, but like we're going to have a couple quarters of, you know, negative growth. Um, year over year, um, and it could be more than a couple of quarters. It could be a couple of years. Um, as as you brought up, it, it took five years, pretty seven, much seven five years. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, it, and it, it could be back to an all time high quickly. Um, you know, the Fed is really trying to support the economy with uh, a lot of stimulus. Um, it's kind of an unprecedented amount. Uh, our debt is soaring. That might all come crashing down at some point. It could be soon. It could be a couple of years down the line, but. Uh, it's it's definitely an interesting uh, interesting time. One market that's really interesting, James, the oil market. Um, yep, just time. just got absolutely twisted upside down. You would say 
uh, on Monday this week. Uh, it's, I mean, out of all these crazy things going on, the, the oil market's been the most jaw-dropping uh, as it's, there's just been a collapse in U.S. and world oil trading. Um, I don't know. You have anything on it? You want me to? You want me to go into it? You please do, Frank, because <laughs> I'm I'm a novice out there like many. It's it, all I know is just everything I've read has been uh, something that traders have never seen before, and it's an insane market. Uh, yeah, yeah, please go in further. So basically, I'll I'll try to th- explain it quickly for you guys. Basically, since the beginning of the year, oil prices were kind of heading downward. Um, Due to you know just an excess of supply, uh, these OPEC agreements are falling apart. So U.S., Saudi Arabia, Russia were all pumping oil, um, and then coronavirus hit. So there was already a lot of supply, and when the coronavirus hit, there's just been a collapse in demand, um, and basically a lot of supply, no demand, very low prices, um, so low actually we're going negative. Uh, all of this led to negative oil prices as low as negative $40.32 per barrel on Monday for uh, contracts that were expiring, I think, today, actually, uh, for May delivery. And right. This, this just means literally that sellers were actually willing to pay $40 per barrel to whoever would take the supply off their hands. Um, so basically, when these contracts settle, the owner then is required to take on 1,000 barrels of oil, whoever has a contract. So people were getting rid of their contracts because they don't want to take in this oil. And that's because uh, oil costs money to, to store and there's, it costs, you know, you have to have space as well. So it, it's not being used nearly as much. The demand is just not there. So these storage facilities are pretty full. So nobody who can store it is going to be buying it from you right now. Rather you have to basically be paying them to give it to them. Um, so it's just a, a wild thing. Uh, you, you have not seen this ever. This is like unprecedented. This will be talked about in the history books in the, in the markets. Um, I mean, not just this recession, but this oil crash itself is one of the, the crazy things. And I mean, it's just a, a reiteration of what you're saying. You know, the markets are only 15% off the highs, but these are definitely greater than 15% uh, of abnormal times, I think. Yeah, and I think you're going to start to see that kind of be reflected and, um, like you said, baked in a little bit more going forward. Because I think this is just a lot to process all at once. Yeah. Um, so many different aspects of the economy heading in so many different directions. It's, it is wild. Yeah. And think yeah. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand all yeah. of it, but and things are starting to open back up probably here in the next few weeks. Um, and that's good, but that doesn't mean like we're going to be a, a 100% functioning economy like we were before. Um, things are going to be different for a long time. I think no sir. Um, I mean, Frank, it's that the pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I, I mean, I'm going to be buying the next few years. Um, you know, these NFL guys should be buying the next few years, but uh, it's it's definitely a scary time. You might not get uh, an immediate return, but we're long-term investors here at the Pay-to-Play Pod, so uh, we're not thinking about next year. We're thinking about you know five, ten years from now when the economy is humming, when we're all just you know hanging out in virtual reality worlds and stuff. You know that's that's the future I'm thinking about. <laughs> I like it. Um, so Frank, let's do a little impromptu buy or sell. Uh, first things first. If you have a large storage space, buy oil. I think that's uh, yeah. If there's, you got a place too. you can store some barrels but of oil, you're not even buying you're it. You're them. just accepting it for money. They're, they'll give you four thousand dollars to store a thousand or a thousand barrels of oil. Exactly. Buy huge buy. <laughs> um, any other impromptu buy or sells? No, that's the only one that came to mind. Um, I'm good to cap, cap it right there. Nothing really to sell these days. How about how about I got one for you? Like Bolt. Have you heard? Have you seen the the new sports drink Bolt? It's by Gatorade. Um, 
I am looking at it right now. It's first, just first like, gut reaction. I just don't. I just, they're like trying to rebrand with the exact same look, and they're like on the commercials. They don't say they're owned by Gatorade. I like literally thought it was a competitor. It's just like they're, they're re- just trying to. They're just, just like, creating a new product. I'm selling. Well, I'll tell you right now. I'm I'm kind of selling on it too. But immediately I look at what they're trying to do, and it looks like reminiscent of body armor. It looks like they're like trying to uh, sell like- the whole hydration part Coconut and like water. antioxidants yeah. yeah and it's it like the the flavors are just different like orange passion fruit or mixed berry like it's like they're going in that direction which i get it because they've seen the growth that body armor's had and it's worth and it's, it's yeah it, gatorade's not a direct like comparison to body armor it's much more sugary I, yeah, but they I have like g2 from, g0 don't they have those they do but i mean they're they're sporadic in where you're seeing them these yeah, days I, so I think this is just kind of like a desperation trying to, trying to rebrand with the same company i like it i'll tell I you i'll it's... tell you something right now though you just said it's a sell if depends on their price point if they can be a little cheaper than body armor i'll give them a shot because i'm looking right now they got bryce harper in an ad big bryce guy was, myself they got your guy zion oh my guy yeah <laughs> perfect Oh, All right, man. James. What's the song of the week? You, you you sent me a song earlier this week. I, I did. I forget yeah, the name. Uh, it was good. It's called "Keep On Dancing" by Oh Wonder. Uh, oh Wonder is a little two-person band, kind of indie pop-ish. Uh, I don't know if there's a better way to describe them, but they do a lot of stuff on the keys. Definitely a more little laid-back band, but they also incorporate, you know, I wouldn't call them drops per se. If for uh, uh, those that are big house music, uh, I don't know a great way to like compare them to anyone, and I think that speaks to what they're trying to do is they're trying to be something a little bit different uh in the world of like i said indie pop is the best way to say it um, um one of the best kept secrets from the uk uh the song keep on dancing um the the opening line to it's kind of funny uh, and it's just like i'm i'm doing my birthday on my own which is kind of like reminiscent of this time of social distancing it's like i there's i got one card for my birthday i'm dancing by myself at home and i think that's totally okay keep yourself uh, mentally and emotionally yeah. happy. Dance, dance on your own a little bit if you have to. Nothing wrong with I that. I like that. I like that. Man. You don't have someone to dance with. That's okay. I like that mentality. It's a good song, guys. Check it out. Um, you know, you can be a little different if you listen to it. You can, you can say you're, you're dancing on your own to the song. Um, uh, also, like, there's a former song, "Dancing on Your Own," that's a banger by Robin. Um, but kind of the same concept. All right, in that one. all right, guys. Uh, we hope you have a good week. Um, we hope you enjoyed the interview with Rex. We know we did. Uh, and we hope you get involved in our little pay-to-play NFL mock draft. Go check out um, that. Get involved. We're, we're pumped for the draft. Uh, James, anything you want to leave people with? Boo Goodell. Boo Goodell. I love it.